Good morning and welcome to AM 1160 The Quest Shelter in Peace. We are so glad that you are joining us as we come to you from our studios here in Roswell, Georgia. My name is Mari Cleveland and I'm here with my co-host Josh Harris. Good morning, Josh. Glad to be here. We are so glad to be with you. And if you've been listening to us for a while, you know that we'd like to start with prayer. Prayer is where all good things begin. So we'd like to start with prayer with you this morning. And we chose, as Josh and I spoke, we chose the simple one. Sometimes it's great to go back to basics. So we're going to start with the simple prayer. We're going to start with the Our Father together. How about that? Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil, God. Amen. 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 Name the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, and listeners, the reason we're starting also with something so simple is because that is our desire. Our desire is that God's will would be done, you know, mm-hmm. that his kingdom would be here on earth. And that's what's known as the Great Commission. We are supposed we are supposed to, as Christians, be going out there and as the Great Commission, letting people know about God, letting people know about who Jesus is and why Jesus came, and the fact that... Um, we want God's kingdom to come. And if you're anything like me and, and I'm like Josh right now too, it's kind of scary out there. It feels um, a bit overwhelming. It feels a little, um, there's just a lot of uncertainty, but there is one thing that is certain and that is Jesus. Um, he is certain. He is truth. He is the, the light and the hope of the world. Um, our father is truth and he is love and he is mercy and he's justice and he loves each one of us and he wants relationship with each one of us. And so as Christians, what are we supposed to do right now? You know, we talked about how we, when we first began Shelter in Peace, it was because we had this pandemic and people were feeling very alone. They were feeling isolated. They were feeling fearful. And so we came to say, hey, come shelter with us. We want to introduce you to a place where there's peace, where there's prayer, where there's truth, where there's hope. And now um, in our country here in the United States, we've got a lot of other things going on. And um, I think it's really um, sad. It's sad that that we are at odds with each other in such just different ways out there right now. And so once again, what does it look like to be a Christian walking in God's truth right now? And I think what we're called to do is to keep pointing people to Jesus, right? To do that. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, the last few shows we talked about how do you hear from God and how do you walk into his mission for your life? Well, today we're going to talk about, okay, you've heard from him, you're starting to walk into his mission, but how do you actually live this Christian life? What are some of the things you you need to do? um, Or do we see from examples in scripture that happen when you start living this Christian life of faith and of service to other people? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what that's what we'll be talking about today. Yeah, and you know, I like to think about you know my journey into the faith, and it's interesting because I can just see that throughout the uh, progression, you know, there's been a subtle call to discomfort, mm-hmm. right? And it's like my mentor says, "There's no comfort in growth, and there's no growth in comfort." Yeah, that's great. <laughs> right. So if I'm, you know, Jesus, there's there's no beanbag Christianity. <laughs> I just gotta trademark that. Can we can we get that on a t shirt, Annie, right now? No, beanbag Christianity. I like that. Beanbag chair Christianity is what I meant to say. There we go. Um right, where you're just sitting there, you're comfortable and you just like I mean, if I'm doing it right, 
and if I'm really asking God to help me out in prayer and lead me, it should get uncomfortable. Mm. And I can just see that there are these progressive milestones where I, I heard that. But here's the thing. I think with as the discomfort grew, so did the joy, uh-huh. right? I mean, so there's this beautiful parallel that is, you know, magnified by God's grace. And... um I like to, you know, I'm looking at this scripture, the rich young ruler. So this guy, you know, many people know this scripture just comes to Jesus and he is, he is killing it, man. He has got money. He's got camels. He's got everything you want. <laughs> he's got a, a 2020 camel. I don't know. Did, they, did Honda Accord make a camel back then? <laughs> Maybe not. Um, leather seats. Leather, yeah. <laughs> Le- leather hump. Exactly. Right. Um, so, uh, he goes up to Jesus. He says, "Teacher, I have found all these things since my youth." Jesus, looking at him, uh, loved him. I love that. I'm just paying attention to that right now. He loved him, right, mm. and said, "You lack one thing. Sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me." When he heard this, he was shocked and went away, grieving for he had many possessions. But I want to stop. I, I, I love that. He loved him. It wasn't like Jesus looked at Jesus looking at him dared him. <laughs> <laughs> or wagged his finger yeah, at him. Yeah, exactly. Right? Sometimes yeah. we think. But he loved it. I mean, this was, I need to remember that when God is asking me to step up, mm-hmm. even if it's through fear, it's it's actually an extension of his love mm-hmm. because it's for my growth and his glory. So, um, you know, an example for me uh, early on, uh, two things. One, when I first became Christian, accepted Christ through Protestant Christianity, I had mm-hmm. a, I did my video baptism, you know, where they dunked me in the jacuzzi, <laughs> right? The giant jacuzzi at uh, this church, and everyone went nuts after they heard my testimony on the big screen. I'll be honest, I thought it, they did a fantastic job cool. with mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. I mean, it was in front of 3,000 people, right? Wow. And um, that and that's really a statement of faith. You have to actually not just, it's not like it's just you and God, which this, that's cool, but you're actually professing it. You're actually yeah. going out there on a limb and you're telling everybody, this is what's going on in my heart and my life. Yeah. And so there's a few times, I mean, one, I think after um, that, I did a little post. I felt prompted, and I was oh, scared. And I think I said something like, you know, I've performed in front of many audiences, but nothing so satisfying as being baptized in front of 3,000 people. Mm. You know, and it, you know, I, I was really scary, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, coming, I mean, my Jewish family is on social media, which, not like they weren't supportive. They were, they're beautiful, but I mean, that scared me, yeah. right, a lot. Yeah. And then um, – Later, I felt God prompting me to post the video testimony, mm. right? Which is, and I'm like, oh, no, no way. <laughs> like, Jesus, you're in the sock drawer, and then my career's in the, the like, boxer drawer. And I'm like, you know, I tried to compartmentalize all these things yeah. versus really have this universality between my faith, my career. Like, I, you know, it mm-hmm. was so... And it was so scary. And I remember doing it, though. And I remember, like, later that day, I was with my dog at the river, and I just felt cloaked in, like, Christ's peace. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was supernatural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got a, I, I got so many incredible comments. And I got some nasty ones, too. But, 
I mean, looking back, I'm like, gosh, I never want to hang out with those people. That, like you're saying, I mean, you got mm. nothing better to do to try to like say these snarky things. But it was, I mean, I just felt such a deepening with the Lord, right? And um, just stepping out and being more public about my faith, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and then later, um, I can, you know, I had another testimony that I I spoke to a group of men um, at a at a Bible study. And I shared my story of addiction mm-hmm. and, and not just my drug and alcoholism, my, my history of impurity and then how God redeemed that and, and, and just how much freedom through 12-step recovery and through the, my Lord and Savior I had as a result of this. And I posted that. I felt like I felt God telling me, I want you to send that to your entire email list. Wow. Like wow. 2,000 plus people. It may have been more at the time because I've weaned it down. And I'm just thinking, we got a bad signal going. <laughs> no way, Jose. So I took it. Now, this was, I think, the key because I think discernment happens so critically when we're talking to somebody that's farther along the path than us. And I talked to my spiritual mentor. I showed him, I think, the video. And he was like, oh, yeah, you definitely should post that. Mm. And I was like, oh, no. So I literally was so scared. I had to have him on the phone with me while I pressed the send button (laughs) on the email blast. And um, it's amazing what happened with that. I mean, I had people coming to 12-step meetings with me after Mm. a result of that Mm -hmm. who, who, like, confessed secret addictions they had. I had a girl reach out to me and say, you know, someone from a college party buddy, she said, you know, as I journey through my dark times, I find myself continually looking to you for hope and inspiration. Mm. And then a year later, she said, I want to let you know I just celebrated a year of sobriety. Oh, that's amazing. So it's like you never know what's on the other end of a yes to God. And it's just... Man, I just found that he has supplemented that fear. It's like, it's been shared with me. If you're walking through the valley of fear, don't pitch a tent. (laughs) (laughs) Or everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I need to preach this to myself. But gosh, it was just so incredible to see the lives that it it, it touched when I stepped out in faith and, and walked through that fear. And I'm sure there are plenty of people listening. I think everyone all the time. You know, in our journey, we probably have something that we were pushing back against God Mm on. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like it's like the narrative of my faith walk. Um, You know, I think I keep getting better at a a whole lot of things, but there's, you know, there's maybe always some sort of treasure. Yeah, (laughs) I'm feeling prompted to surrender. Right, right, yeah. So, you know, I, I would challenge you know I would challenge anyone listening. What is that thing? Right. What is God asking you to do? Um or surrender potentially and and what would the next step be and i think that's where we get intimidated oh i've got to drop everything mm-hmm. and sell all my possessions and be a missionary but i love what my mentor says it's just like hey what's the one thing you can do mm-hmm. like what's the one step you could take like not like not mm-hmm. z but what about like just a right 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 so if someone's trying to get sober like maybe you could just go to a meeting mm mm-hmm. mhm Mm-hmm. So somebody like, well, I got to go to a meeting, and then I got to call five people a day, and then I got to start doing this, and I got. But it's like, what about like just the one step, you know? So I think we, we all have, the thing, you know, like you know, maybe I'll just meet mm-hmm. with a personal trainer, you know, because I've definitely, you know, gone through health kicks, but I think it's just like one small step for me mm-hmm. has been so critical in making large changes. Yeah. Well, and I, I love the fact that you read that very first verse you read, talked about how Jesus loved him. You know, he looked at the rich young ruler mm-hmm. who had all of these blessings, but who also had fear to do something different and yeah. to step out. And he loved him. And it makes me think of this one missionary who said, you know, he's, she was so afraid 
to actually step out in faith to be a missionary because she's like, okay, God's going to send me here. I just know he's going to send me here. Yeah. And she didn't want to go there. It's like, okay, hold on a second. God's only going to send you wherever he's got your heart ready for, wherever it's going to work for you, <laughs> right? He's not going to send you off to, to uh, he's not going to make your life mis- miserable. He does not want that. I think I was, um, you know, talking earlier today, we we're talking about how he even tells us in scripture that he wants, he doesn't want our, he doesn't want our sa- sacrifices, right? He wants our obedience. He wants our obedience, not our sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I think that's in Samuel. I think you yeah. can read it in Samuel where God says that. And so he's not asking you to sacrifice something. He's asking you to obey. And what's going to happen is you're going to start to lose taste for certain things, right? Oh, yeah, you totally. Know? There are certain things that are going to start to melt away because as you live a life, a Christian life of faith and of service to other people, he's going to make you into um, a disciple that um, who can walk that, who can walk that faith and walk that journey more effectively, whether it's like you've told me before, whether it's making your your act more clean, you know, you can still be a comedian. He didn't say, Josh, you can't be a comedian yeah, anymore, right? Totally. He's just saying, okay, Josh, take out, if there was anything unclean in your act, take it out because now you're living a life of, of um, faith and you, I want you to be somebody that people looks to can, can come to for hope and for healing. Yeah, right? and I think that's what we need to, I need to remember is... God always wants only wants more. Yeah. He doesn't want less, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this phrase, Jesus said, truly I tell you, there is no one who's left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecution and in the age to come eternal life, right? And this is many will, but many who are last, who are first will be last and last will be first. And I, I just, you know, like I said, whenever I've given something up, it's been supplemented typically with mm-hmm. a beautiful joy if it's been for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I used to have the, my act was just very, very inappropriate. I'll leave it at that. Wouldn't have been getting my own hour on the quest for sure. <laughs> um, so we would have been praying for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. I would have been a constant prayer intention. Um, maybe Father Jim Blunt would have come and done an exorcism on me at the time. I'm not sure, but uh, it was not not clean comedy. But bit by bit, as I got deeper in my faith walk, I mean. Mm-hmm. God would prompt me internally, but also externally. And it says in the, in the was it Proverbs, I think, or is it a wise man welcomes rebuke? Mm-hmm. And so I remember I was at a 12-step meeting where a guy was confessing about having an affair with his wife, uh, on his wife, which, terrible thing, terrible thing. And he came to my show later that night, coincidentally. Oh, wow. And... He saw my act, and this was when I was not clean. And he, I remember being at another meeting, and he came up to me and said, you really said some blue stuff on that stage. And he just stopped and said, how can you live with yourself? No, he told you And that. I'm like, "What? What? are you the guy that was, what did you just, wow. I, are you kidding me? You're the unfaithful guy telling me that? But, um, and I had every right to, I'm sure, rise up and try to challenge him. But you know, he was right. Like, you know, even the sinner can carry the message. Mm -hmm. And later I remember being in front of, I was doing a show for some kids at the Boys and Girls Club. Actually, they were in the audience. I think there was a a lot of Boys and Girls Clubs. It was like a kids comedy camp. I was performing at the end of it. And there was a bunch of kids from Boys and Girls Club out there. And I'm doing stand-up and... um, 
I'm sure I sanitized my act, but I remember just looking out there. And by this time, I was I think I was much more clean, but I still mm-hmm. had some some spicy stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, God, you know, these kids really, you know, you emulate you who you look up to, mm-hmm. you know, especially entertainers. And I think these kids are going to leave here. They're going to Google me, oh, wow. and what yeah. are they going to find? Yeah. Right, and then what are the you know? I do not want to be like the majority of maybe the music that will be within you know earshot of them, mm-hmm. where it's telling them to maybe do things that aren't you know that I wouldn't think are you know reputable from a faith based standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be part of the problem. Right. <laughs> so bit by I think I pretty shortly after that went and yanked a bunch of stuff online, which was scary. You know, there's some stuff that was very popular, mm-hmm. but um. You know, it's interesting since I've since I did that, I've actually many of my videos and gotten way more popular, you know, mm. than, than those. Even though some of the dirty ones had a fan base, but like one had over eleven million views, and that was one of the clean ones. That was one of the clean ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was it wasn't a hundredfold; it was a millionfold. There you go. <laughs> you know, pop. God blesses obedience; He really does, and He uses yeah. whatever we've gone through for His glory. He uses whatever we've gone through. So you've spoken very openly about your past addictions. And God uses that. He uses that to reach other people. And I think one of the things that we really want to focus on today, too, is just reaching out. Um, When we're scared, when there's a lot of turmoil going on, when there's um, just where we just can't understand and we can't see where we can walk, we have this. Um, instead, we, we end up starting to close in on ourselves, right? Kind of do navel gazing or close in on ourselves or not reach out to other people. And yet God invites us to great opportunities to reach out and touch other people, reach out and um, and build a relationship with other people, reach out. And sometimes it's outside of our comfort zones, but he's going to use whatever. You know, you were able to reach out and people who also had lives of addiction felt comfortable reaching out to you because yeah, God's sure. going to use whatever has gone on in your past. I remember going through a really hard breakup. This is obviously many, many years hmm. ago before I was happily married, but I went through a really hard breakup. And I remember talking to God and saying, why did you let this happen? I can't believe you let this happen to me and this betrayal that happened. And I was so devastated. I was so upset. And I remember part of his response, part of his response to me was, you now have a heart for people who've been through this. You know, you have mm-hmm. a heart for people who have been betrayed. You have a heart for people who ha- have just have felt devastated. Um, and it's going to make you more tender. It's going to make you a better disciple of mine because you are going to have more compassion and you are going to have more understanding and you are going to want to reach out. And so I think that's part of, you know, as we live this life, who are we supposed to reach out to? And for each one of us, it's going to be different. God is going to put different people in our paths, but who is it that you are supposed to be reaching out to right now? And it may be somebody outside of who you think it's going to be. It mm-hmm. may be somebody outside your um, your neighborhood, your um, your church, your social status. It may be way outside in, in new and different ways, but God is going to, to use you and ask you to build relationship with somebody um, so that they can get to know Him. Mm-hmm. Right, it's all about introducing them Amen. to him. I, I remember one time I was heading off to. Um, this is actually when I made my cursio, and I was saying, "Okay, I don't really get this whole how do you witness to people thing." And I had a very beautiful, wise mentor at the time who was actually my boss um, in work, and he said he had taken me out to lunch before I went to cursio. Um, and this is okay. So I worked for Procter and Gamble, right? Corporate mm-hmm. America, true corporate America. And yet this guy was the guy who really, um, 
just revved up my my own personal relationship with Christ by doing things like that, by inviting me into a Bible yeah. study into his home. And and this is corporate America where we, we're here. We're not allowed to talk about Jesus, but you know what? He stepped out and he was willing to, he saw a need. He saw somebody who was hurting. He saw somebody who needed God. And he was brave enough to step into my life and say, hey, I've got these ways that I'd love to help you become closer to God. So anyway, we're having lunch and we're talking about, okay, I said, I, I don't get this witness thing. I don't know how this works. And he said, well, what you do is what your role is, is to make a friend, find somebody, be a, make a friend, be a true friend to that person, and then bring that person closer to Christ, you know, introduce them to Christ over time. And it may take some time. And he told me this beautiful story of this orange tree. And he said, you know, if you're, if you are growing a, um, an orange tree, so you've got an orange tree, it's, it's growing and what you're going to do every day, you're going to make sure it's getting the sun it needs. You're going to prune it as you need to. You're going to water it. You're going to fertilize it. You're going to go out and talk to it. And every once in a while, you're going to test to see if the orange is ripe or not, if it's ready. And so you're just going to reach up and you're going to, um, pull on that orange a little bit. And I don't I don't know if you've ever picked fruit before, but if you try to pick fruit that's not ripe yet, you can pull with all your might and it is so holding onto that branch so tightly, you can literally pull the branch off a tree because it's not ready. And he said, so you're just gonna test it every once in a while. And then one day when you go out there, you're going to barely tap it and it's mm. gonna fall into your hand. And that's what happens with a ripe fruit is it is ready to you know, it's, it's ready and you barely tap it. Wow. And he said, that's kind of what it's like when you are, um, introducing somebody to Christ, you just continue hmm. to share with them, continue to water, continue, but you're loving on them. Just like Christ loved on that yet rich young ruler. You are just loving on them. You're giving them everything they need. And every once in a while you're, you're mentioning Christ, you're sharing him. And one day they will be ready to hear what he has for them in their life because it really is his relationship with them, right? Yeah. It's not about mm -hmm. you having another notch on your belt that, oh, wow, I, I, you know, I, I got somebody else saved for Christ. No, it's not that at all. It's, it's you just living a Christ-filled life and loving on people and building a relationship with them. And like we said, sometimes it's outside of your comfort zone to do that, um, but yeah. So anyway, I was thinking about a couple of more more examples of people who did that in scripture. And I knew you had mentioned one that came yeah. to mind for you, you were talking about. Well, I mean, I just, yeah, when Peter was afraid to, I believe, eat with Gentiles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so then there's this line, then Peter began to speak to them truly. I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And, you know, so, so here's God trying to bring these people together, yeah. right? There's, there's no partiality. There's no discrimination. I mean, right. they're all children of the Lord. And similarly, I mean, I've found myself getting uh, involved with or connecting with people, especially through the pro-life ministry, like people that are on just such opposite ends of the tracks mm -hmm. than me. And one thing I have noticed is of recently – when I'm reaching out to people and uh, through sidewalk counseling, you know, for being a prayerful presence in front of an abortion clinic and trying to help people choose life, I noticed this the other day. I, I, There's this young woman was talking to me and um, she was on the way out and I was trying to connect with her. Hopefully she would be willing to try to reach out and get her friend out of there. And I just kind of went in, I'm talking, and but it was me. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. really bring God into that conversation. So mm -hmm. here's like my new rule. If I'm talking to someone, I, <laughs> I'm asking up front, 
do you mind if I just say a quick prayer for you? Mm-hmm. Really, I'm saying a prayer for myself because it's like, God, if you ain't with me, I'm going to blow this so bad. Right, right. And I can just tell you, there is just such a radical difference in the direction the conversations had mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. We had a young woman, and in, in, uh, yesterday she showed up at the clinic, and she had literally bullet impressions on her car. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, so she was had a tough life. I mean, abuse, all kinds of things. And it's interesting that the women and the, the people in the abortion clinics would say, I think she had earbuds in and um, she said, yeah, I wasn't planning on talking to y'all. They said, there's going to be a bunch of protesters out screaming at me. Oh. And <laughs> you know, we're just prayerfully. So instead of loving on her, exactly. right? Which is so, what you were doing. Yeah. I think they just try to get them to shut off pretty quickly. But we ex- reached out in love. She came down and talked to us. We shared some information resources we had what was going to happen if she went through it you know Mm -hmm. because we wanted her to know Mm -hmm. um she ended up leaving with us we took her out to breakfast we took her to a pregnancy resource center she ended up getting pictures um uh, getting her ultrasound and she came out with a scrapbook of ultrasound photos underneath it was like hi mommy there were little tags and texts oh that's so cool it was amazing she was crying tears of joy yeah right and she was celebrating she left said I gotta go feed my me and my baby we're gonna celebrate Mm. we're gonna get lunch with her on Saturday um, but, you know, it's an example of like, I would never under any circumstance, not that there's anything wrong with this beautiful young woman, mm-hmm. but like my path wouldn't cross with right. her. Right. You wouldn't have met her. You know? And right. I think that's kind of like the Apostle Paul said, like, we've got to learn how to be all things to all people mm-hmm. in the sense that we can intercede in whatever broken situation and meet them with the love mm-hmm. of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Regardless if I have the resources to help someone or not, right. that hopefully I can right. point them in the right direction. Well, and what I, one of the things I love about your story is the reminder that you are building a relationship with her. It's not yeah. like you just had this one-time conversation, but you're going to meet with her again on Saturday Absolutely. and you're going to go have a meal with her. And that's what Jesus modeled for us, right? He chose 12 people that he poured himself into and he spent all his time with them. He ate with them. He they they lived together basically. He knew their families. He knew Peter's mother in law, right? Talks about him going to Peter's mother in law's mm-hmm. house. So he shows us that we're supposed to really reach out and create relationship with people, whoever they are and however they've come Absolutely. into our lives, right? Yes. Yeah. So you are listening to AM eleven sixty the Quest Radio here with um Mari Cleveland and Josh Harris and our producer Annie Porter. And um we are talking about how to live this Christian life of faith and service to other people, especially um, in times that sometimes feel uncomfortable and uncertain, but how we're called to step into that. So yep. after our short commercial break, we will be back with a special guest who's going to tell us more about how he and his wife are doing that. So please stay tuned. We'll see you back on the other side of this break.
Do you have a friend or family member who's seeking to grow in their spirituality? Know someone who's fallen away from their faith? Why not invite them to listen to AM 1160 The Quest? We offer a wide variety of the most prominent voices on Catholic Radio. There are four great ways to listen to The Quest. On your radio at AM 1160, online at thequestatlanta.com, on your smart speaker, and on the Quest Atlanta app. Please invite a friend to listen to AM 1160 The Quest today. Catholic Radio, I believe, is the greatest tool for evangelization that the Church has today. And I know this because we hear from people all over the world that tell us all the time they came to faith in Christ, in the Catholic Church, through Catholic Radio. guy that lives right next door to you, he might not ask you about your Catholic faith, but he'll ask us. He'll call in and say, tell me about the Catholic Church. To donate, go to thequestatlanta.com. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. You're pregnant? What are you going to do? This response puts abortion on the table. Although what are you going to do is a common response, this is not what you say when your friend tells you about her unplanned pregnancy. Women are created to nurture life. No woman truly wants to kill her own child. Unplanned pregnancies can be scary. 74% of women who've had abortions say that if one person would have offered support to help them, they would have chosen life. This approach, congratulations, you'll be a great mother and I'll help you, can be just what she needed to hear. God sent you to help her. Call 1-800-712-HELP to find the closest free pregnancy center. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Let us offer a prayer of thanksgiving for the priests serving in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Eternal God, we thank you for the blessings of our priests who represent you on this earth. Make them more greatly aware of the grace that you pour out through them as they minister the sacraments and help them to fall more deeply in love with you after each and every Mass that is celebrated. Please strengthen them so that they may lovingly and courageously shepherd your flock. May we support the priest in the Diocese of Atlanta by offering them kind words, deeds, and assistance. We thank you, God, for the gift of your priest. Allow them to remain an example of your truth and a guide to all those he is entrusted to serve. We ask these things of you, our Lord, our eternal priest. Amen. Welcome back to Shelter in Peace here on AM 1160 The Quest. You are here with Josh Harris, Mari Cleveland, and our producer, Annie. And right before the break, we were talking about living the Christian life of faith and of service and just how sometimes that is can be so challenging and knowing what it is God's calling us to give up, but also remembering that He loves us so much that whatever we give up, He is going to magnify hundredfold or sometimes in Josh's case millionfold. millionfold right yes. exactly um, I told you I, I don't know if I told you I just got a new car that's because I believe yeah. in Jesus 
<laughs> okay. We're no, we, we don't do the prosperity gospel here. Sure? But, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I um, believe it. Jesus is the host of The Price is Right, man. That's my... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think the, we sometimes forget to tell people Josh is a comedian yeah. by trade. So just so you know. Not, my, a, t- not a tent maker, <laughs> but a comedian. I did say in a Bible study when they were trying to talk... I said, his name's Jesus, not please us. Okay. There you go. I like that. I like so. that. Right. But sometimes we do have to be uncomfortable and sometimes we are put in situations that um, where we were asked to step out. You know, we just talked about how even in the Bible, Peter really stepped out of his comfort zone when God made it very clear to him that he was supposed to reach out to the Gentiles and eat a meal with the Gentiles, which yeah. he was, it was something he was never going to do. But that was kind of the beginning of the ministry to the Gentiles and how amazing that was. You know, Jesus didn't come just for the Jewish people, but he also came for the entire world. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was a cool way sure, to laying see down that. some harsh rules back then, man. You can't eat with Gentiles. It's like, wow, that's okay. Yeah. So, but we also talked about relationships and how Amen. that's one of the the other ways that as Christians that we building those the life of faith and of mm-hmm. service is um, really Jesus modeled that it was through relationships and he found people from all over the place. He had his twelve, but he also just reached into the places where there was a lot of need. You know, he mm-hmm. spoke to the woman at the well who was. Um, she was she was the only one. She came at noon, right? Because she didn't have relationship with anybody else in her town. She was all alone and she was hurting. And he saw her, and he went and spent time with her. Nicodemus, the tax collector, you know, nobody was paying any attention to him and didn't want to be friends with him. And he befriended him. So it was amazing. Or was it Zacchaeus? Was it Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, and then Matthew, the tax collector. Matt, but Matthew's a yeah, yeah. disciple. Jesus yeah. walked right into an H and R block and said, "Come on." <laughs> There Let's it is. do it. Let's there do it. it is. Yeah, Get so out of your cubicle, Matthew. But but he had this way of knowing who needed him, right? He knew yep. who needed him. He knew who needed his love and his mercy and his truth. And I think for each of us today, it's like who in your life needs God's love and mercy and justice and truth? And yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. does God want you to love on? I'll say this too, is, is I think that the great thing is we think we're not equipped to handle that, but mm-hmm. Jesus... You know, what, what's that phrase? He doesn't call the equipped, he, he equips, equips the, the called. Call. Yep. And so I guess I think I told you that the other day we're praying in front of this abortion clinic and we had this woman choose life. And mm-hmm. I'm standing out there and it's me at the time, like some other prayer warriors had left. And it's me and this other guy who's this like older retired gentleman on the other end of the sidewalk, just pacing up and down, praying the rosary. And I'm like... Man, if there if there are ever two people that are less equipped to be here, <laughs> this is like the this is the junior varsity right now. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, Out here, yeah. and and God used it, and a life was saved, and and later another beautiful lady came in and helped us. Uh, transition this this lady and and we all went together out to a pregnancy resource center. But like I, I was thinking about that just from the standpoint of like this was probably not a, a too far off snapshot of the early disciples, like mm. the first 12, you mm-hmm. know, because there were some rather unspectacular gentlemen in that bunch, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, but there definitely were. For the sheer point too, to the whole world to know that like you don't have to be quote unquote special, rich, extremely mm-hmm. talented to change the world. You just need to rely on God. Right. You just, just be obedient. 
Just be yeah. obedient, be willing. Yeah. So we are actually going to be talking to somebody who has been very obedient. Um, we'd love to introduce our listeners to Paul McNeil and Paul and his wife, Ashlyn, and their one-year-old baby, Pia, are actually going off to become focus missionaries, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Paul and his wife, Ashlyn, actually both are here from here in Atlanta. They both graduated from St. Pius, and, um, mm -hmm. and which is pretty cool. And we're going to let Paul tell us more about himself and more about his ministry. So welcome, Paul. We're so glad to have you on the air with us. Hey, great to be here. Thanks so much. Yes. And so, Paul, would you go ahead, just start by telling us a little bit about your background. Tell us about who you are and and um, maybe a little bit about your own background and how it, it, like we said, God creates, you know, each of us has a story that then brings us to where he wants us um, in our mm -hmm. life. And I know there were some things about your personal story growing up that got you to where you are here today, too. So you want to share that with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you guys said, raised in a uh, raised in Atlanta. I was raised in a Catholic home, very blessed by two faithful parents. My dad was a, um, he's a retired fire chief, and my mom was, um, she started a nonprofit that helps women find healing and forgiveness after having abortion. So just two very faithful, upstanding uh, Catholics, mm. and they really just instilled um, a heart of service in my life, and they helped me to really see that the Christian life isn't just this sentimental kind of fluffy idea that makes you feel better when you die. It's really just that there's the cross and the resurrection, and there's a lot of suffering, but also a lot of grace involved. And so very blessed um, to be raised by my parents, and I think they are the ones that probably more than anyone helped encourage me and Ashlyn to be missionaries. That is great. You know, one of the things you said when we were talking earlier that I thought was really spot on was that Christianity and living the life of a Christian wasn't super easy all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. My, my, um, so my dad, yeah, he would sometimes work 24-hour shifts, um, come back home really exhausted. Um, and I just saw that, you know, it resonated with me. But he was always home. He was available to his kids. He was there to love us. Um, and my mom, you know, there's just, it's just a battlefield on the uh, front lines of the abortion war. So, um, yeah, definitely made it clear that there's going to be suffering in my life. But that's, that's really freeing because once you get over the idea that, um, you know, the Christian life is just is difficult. And once you start to um, come to terms that, okay, it's going to hurt, but also God blesses that, um, it's a lot more freeing to open your ears to what He desires in your life. And so, um, yeah, I know the, the missionary life is going to be just as difficult, and, and God continues to challenge us. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely a big part of our lives. That's great. That's great. Okay, so focus missionaries. Tell us tell us more about what is it what does it mean to be a focus missionary? Not everybody has heard of about focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So focus um, was started in nineteen ninety eight and it stands for Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And it's just an apostolate that sends out missionaries all over the country. Um, there's a little over 700 missionaries now, I believe, um, and they send you to different college campuses, and we're just an apostolate that um, strives to just be present to college students. Mm. College is just a really difficult time. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of growth and change. People leave the nest. Um, mm. They just start off asking all these deep questions, and so we just intend to be present to these students, to be available to offer Bible studies, get plugged into the Catholic Center, um, be tabling out on front campus, reach out to athletes, 
uh, people in fraternities and sororities, and just kind of try and walk through life with them. Mm, um, at the heart of it, it's the, the goal is to fulfill the Great Commission, so go and make disciples of all nations. And um, I guess you could say the main way we do that is um, we try, there's a threefold system. We win, build, and send. So we try to win students over to Christ, build them up in discipleship, and send them out to do the same thing. So, for instance, instead of just like, hey, I'm going to lead a Bible study once a week, see you next week, or I'm going to give this really great talk um, and talk to a million different people, instead, the overall goal is actually to invest in a small group of people. So not just Bible studies, but hey, let's go get coffee, or let's go to a cookout, or let's play sports together, that sort of thing. Um, and that way, you really have a, uh, a ministry that lasts, it's deep, um, the students can remember you, um, and you really equip them to go forth and just do exactly what we're trying to do. Hmm, that's great. And mm-hmm. so so when you were talking about that earlier, how many, so how many students do you, do you aim to build this kind of more in-depth relationship with? Yeah, um, I don't know if they give really a specific number. I mean, it's, it's whoever God puts in front of you, but an ideal number would be 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because cause it, it felt the method modeled by the Master, Christ invested in 12, um, shared his life with them. And, and this isn't a knock on, like, big talks or just, like, getting plugged into the Catholic Center. Um, those are all great things. And, and, you know, encountering students on campus, um, just, like, trying to plant seeds, asking them questions about relativism and that sort of thing, these are all great. But, yeah, investing in 12, I think that would be the ideal. I'd love to do that. Um, and just... You know, if I were to invest in 12 and each of them were to also invest in 12, I mean, that would just be incredible, um, just mm-hmm. an incredible exponential increase. And so uh, there's not really a set number, but that's that's the ideal for sure. That's amazing. So you now I have a question. Do you get to pick where you want to go or do they send you, um, do they throw a dart at a map? How do you get sent to your <laughs> yeah. new mission? Yeah, they... Um, so I don't know the I don't know the behind the scenes process entirely. I know that the people um, in the hiring process are are praying throughout the whole time. Mm, um, that's beautiful. But yes, for sure. Um, I think so. So when we go to the interview weekend, they, they ask us up front. They say, "Hey, you know, are you willing to go wherever God desires to send you?" And you just have to really take that to prayer and think about it. And it was for sure. Um, a difficult decision for for me and Ashlyn, just because we're like, oh my goodness, we have a baby. Like, I don't. What if we get dropped in the middle of New York City and rent super high? Like, yeah. I don't know. But um, thanks be to God, we get placed uh, in Murray, Kentucky, which we, we didn't even know that place existed, um, but found out, and it, it just seems like a perfect fit for us. So, um, wow. yeah, there's there's just a lot of, I mean. Praise God for some of those missionaries that have just graduated, and that's that's the first step they take in their life. I mean, I feel like I have a few years of experience under my belt, and so even though I do have um, a wife and a baby, I think props to some of those 22-year-olds that, that take this big step. That's incredible. So do you have to hunt down your 12 disciples, or do they place you in positions or um you know or in in pre-existing groups that can help you evangelize and make those you know christ-centered connections yeah so they they give you different strategies i mean obviously the easiest place to start is the catholic center you know just Mm -hmm. they've been focus has been at murray for i believe about eight years now so when i come there for the first time um they're gonna know who i am you know what i'm all about so so that makes it a little bit easier um one of 
the things I'm excited to do and um, I'm still I'm still being trained in is reaching out to coaches on the campus so that I can get connected with their athletes. Um, I was a former cross-country runner, so I'd really love to um, get connected with, with some young men that are running cross-country and track. And, and um, the best way to do that is through the coach in the first place. I mean, I have the experience, so, I mean, if I can just tell them, hey, I'm here to – you know, help just just be a coach. I can even just hold a watch for a while. You know, mm-hmm. that's all you need me to do. <laughs> I uh, love whatever it. it takes. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it just kind of depends on your background and your situation. Um, for me, I want coaches to see that I'm not here to like convert everybody to Christianity so they leave their sport. You know, because like sports have become idols or something like that. I want these athletes to see that sports are tools to help develop them. You know, mind, body, soul. And um, I'm, I'm there for the coaches as well. You know, I want them to become great athletes as well as, as saints. So that's mm, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. It's also cool how, once again, God is using something that was part of your life to then build on and you can use that. So your background yeah. as a cross, cross-country athlete, you know, who knew God was going to use that hmm. as yeah. in, your, in your witness as a missionary. That's so awesome. You know, Paul, you also just mentioned that a lot of people do come become focused missionaries immediately after college, but that's not the case for you and Ashland. So tell us a little bit more about that. Kind of what happened to you guys after college? What did you go to do? And why did it even, why is it going to make your role as a missionary maybe slightly different from some of the, the other folks? Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay, so... I guess um, to do a little bit of a condensed story, the past few years I've been uh, working on my master's in theology out in Denver, and my wife, um, at least the first year out there, she was teaching. She was teaching in a little bit of a rough school district, and she'd come home and she'd be, she was doing special education, and she'd come home really exhausted mentally, physically, just just totally drained. And then um, just because just a lot of the kids had broken homes, maybe dad's not around, maybe mom's on drugs, this or that. So she really just had to take on this role as a mother more than uh, more than teacher. Mm. And so she'd be really beat. Meanwhile, I'm getting my, my master's in theology, and I'm getting filled up, and I'm surrounded by all these people that are on fire about the faith, and, and our professors are inviting us over, because it's kind of a, a smaller environment, um, for, for lunch, just to meet their families. And so Ashley would come home, and she'd be really dead tired, and then we'd go over to our professor's house, and, like, like one of their um, children, I remember in particular, was really excited for all of us to come over. And he's like, Dad, Dad, you know, he's 11 years old. Dad, tell him your conversion story. Like, tell him your testimony. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. Like, I've never seen a kid so on fire, like, at age 11. Like, I did not care about this when I was 11. And he's, like, <laughs> blessing his kids with oil before bed. And me and wow. Ashlyn are just, like, jaws dropped in the corner. Like, this is amazing. So, so it was just really clear that the, the culture of the home was so different for um, my professors then you know, some of these students in a public school. And Ashlyn and I just, just gradually felt the call to, to, to be that kind of family, just to uh, be a witness of, of Christian marriage lived out, of, of a happy Christian home, um, and really just give hope to some of those students that are coming from broken homes and, mm-hmm. and help them to see a, a, real, a realistic, um, what's the word, a realistic manifestation of, of Christian marriage lived out. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So how long is your tenure going to be at this institution? Are you going for it? Do you sign up for a year, multiple years? How, how does that work? 
Um, yeah, so it's a it's a minimum two year commitment. Some wow. people, mm. yeah, some people stay on longer. Um, we have a team director. We'll be placed with the team who's about to go on his third year. Some people stay, you know, a very long time. But it's just kind of depends on the call. So me and Ash are just taking it year by year right now. Not sure how long this journey will be, but and yeah, she's a missionary as well. Is that correct or am I incorrect? Yes. That, wow. That's correct, and she's she's taken on a um, she's what's called an affiliate missionary, which means that she'll still be reaching out and encountering students, but um, just has a little bit less commitment, just be, so she can be home and be a mom first um, to baby Pia, and hopefully we can you know reel some of the students in and have them over, and that'll help out a lot. But yeah, so we'll both wow. be missionaries, but I'm full time and she's affiliate. Well, so when you guys got this call, did it feel like we talked about in the gospel? Did it feel a little bit uncomfortable at first, or were you just like all in from the beginning? <clears throat> well, I definitely wasn't all in from the beginning. I thought I was going to teach and coach um, at the high school level, mm-hmm. but I just didn't have a lot of peace about it. And so wow. um, I took it to the chapel. And I was just like, Lord, okay, I don't have peace about this. What, what, is your, what is your desire for me? And I just gave up the idea of, of teaching and coaching. And the peace came back. So then hmm. I started looking around like, okay, I guess the Lord has something different in mind. And um, didn't know what that was. And I remember walking back to my apartment and just like thinking, you know, it'd be so cool to do something with my wife, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, but it'd be really great. And I walk in and, and she's like, Paul, Paul, like, hear me out, hear me out. She's like, we should buy my grandma's bed and breakfast out in Vermont. It's on sale. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. oh, that's not, she's like, convert it into a retreat center. And I just said, okay, you know, how much does it cost? And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, $4 million, something like that. We're like, okay, we can't do that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but it really, it planted a seed. We're like, okay, I, I kind of, took that as like, okay, well, there are other options and, and maybe I can do something with my wife. I'm not, I'm not sure what, but, and so then it just all of a sudden, once I opened up my heart, it just felt like the stars started to align. And, um, yeah, it was very difficult, um, making the decision, but I had a lot of peace about it at the same time. Lots of fear, but that. lots of, of peace too. That is great. You know, and it's interesting, Paul, because as we've talked to different people over the last few weeks about when you hear God's call on your heart, what's one of the signs that helps you know mm-hmm. that you're actually walking in His will? And that's what we've heard from no, numerous people is just this sense of overwhelming peace. You know, He gives mm-hmm. us that peace that surpasses all understanding. That's right. great. Well, and I also Absolutely. love the fact that when Ashlyn said to you, you know, we're going to, let's do this. And it, it wasn't like, oh, come on, God, seriously. It was more, okay, God, you're showing me. You took that more as a sign <laughs> of not specifically this is what he wants you to do next, but showing yeah. you that, hey, Paul, there are other things out there for you. And there are things out there you can do with your wife, just like you just yeah. prayed. Yeah. Yeah, I, Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. I think the best gig to be would be a focused missionary for DeVry University online. Oh. <laughs> Maybe we should pull that off. Phoenix. <laughs> That'd be great, especially, yeah, especially given the, the current conditions. Yeah. There you go. I'm logging yeah. in to my fellowship today. <laughs> there you for go. Sure. Yeah. Well, and yeah. actually, speaking of that, have they talked to you at all about do you, some new strategies to use because of the differences with COVID? Um, they have talked to us. The tricky thing is that it's just every state is so different. Oh, every college yeah. is, is, is really different. I know a lot of the missionaries are they're still they're still chugging away. The ones that were missionaries last year, they're doing virtual Bible studies and one on one get-togethers, and so they're they're still they're still making it happen. But it's just it's definitely going to look different. 
Right. You know, and relationship can be just one-on-one. You know, I was thinking when Josh mm-hmm. and I were preparing today, we were talking about all those times, even biblically, where it showed just a one-on-one relationship changed the entire world, right? Um, yeah. And I told Josh, one of the stories that came to mind for me was Naomi and Ruth, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, Ruth is a Moabite. She's a pagan. And her hus- her her um, mother-in-law, Naomi, is is Jewish. And um, all the men die, all the men in the family die. And so Naomi tells mm-hmm. Ruth, go back to your family. Mm-hmm. And Ruth says, no, I want to follow you wherever you go. And I was thinking about that. You know, they must have had a really tight relationship. Usually people talk about mother-in-laws are a terrible, the bane of their existence. It's always awful. Well, in this case, obviously, Naomi was really kind to her daughter-in-law for her daughter-in-law to want to leave her country and leave her people and follow after her. Yeah. And she even told you know, she even told Ruth even told Naomi, your God will become my God. Well, then that changed the mm-hmm. whole course of, of, of everything, right? Naomi, oh, right? Ruth became yeah. the great grandmother of King David, mm. you know, so it's oh, so yeah. cool. Yeah. So even if it's just one person, Paul, you know, we know that mm-hmm. God's going to do cool things for you guys. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, that's incredible. So uh, is your wife as excited as you are, my friend? Oh yeah, she was on board with it quicker than I was, <laughs> for sure. I, she, um, we actually thought that she would be um, continuing to work, and just just she was working a remote job um, after after first year teaching, and um, then she went to the interview weekend with me and just had this like really intense moment in prayer where she wow. just felt the Lord saying, "No, I need you in this like mm-hmm. all the way," and so she. She she quit her job. Was like, I'm going to be a missionary with you, and um, yeah, she was she was pumped. So she really she had to reel me in a little bit. But so do yeah. they? Do they? With that in mind, do they advocate as a focused missionary? You know, the wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. You know, the kind of Jesus with the woman at the well, meeting people, just engaging with them. Or they want y'all to go John the Baptist mode and just you know stand in the courtyard and just you know kind of go all in. <laughs> Repent. Yeah. <laughs> Calling the yeah. professors broods of vipers, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, um, so it's it's interesting. We so we're actually going to get a lot more of our training um, once we get to campus in mid July. So they'll give us more of the nitty gritty, like how tos um, for a few weeks before campus. Um, my experience with focus personally, it was it definitely wasn't just like standing out in the courtyard and they're hitting you head on the head with a Bible. It was. Um, it was just very um, a gradual process. It was like um, I don't know how to describe it, but it wasn't um, pushy. It wasn't as if like he was like, "Hey, hey, come hang out with me. Hey, come do this, do that." It wasn't just like uncomfortable, but it was like um, I don't know. It was kind of refreshing to have someone like actually sort of pursue me in friendship, especially as a student athlete when I was really yeah. busy. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know what that looks like for everybody, but for me, it was nice to have um, somebody trying to get me plugged into the Catholic Center and going to Mass. Um, just kind of a friendly invitation, I'd say. That's great. That is great. Yeah. Yeah, and we love how yeah. you experienced it, and then you're going and passing that along as well. That is, mm-hmm. that's, that's wonderful. Amen. Just yeah. don't go throwing any Christian keggers, okay? <laughs> oh, 
for sure. Keep it above board. There you go. (laughs) So, uh, listeners, you are listening to Shelter in in Peace, and we are talking with um, Focus Missionary Paul McNeil. He and his wife, Ashlyn, and their baby daughter, Pia, will be going to Murray State to start serving this fall. And so we just ask you to pray for them. Um, If you would like to learn more information about Focus and the Focus Missionaries, um, and also just learn more about what Paul and Ashlyn are doing. And we'd like to talk to Paul and learn more about um, this ministry. We would invite you to reach out to him. You can reach out to Paul directly at paul.mcneil, which is M-C-N-E-I-L, at focus.org. Or another mm-hmm. way you can find him is if you go to focus.org, there's a tab that says Find a Missionary. And you can click on that tab and look up Paul. Um, Paul and Ashlyn McNeil, and you can talk to them there, reach out to them there. So, Paul, we're going to ask our listeners to pray for you. Would you be willing to um, close out our time that we've had together with you by praying for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. Sure thing. Um, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Come, Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray. Dear Lord, I just um, thank you for this opportunity to um, share the beautiful mission of focus. I pray for everyone listening in today. Um, I pray for everyone who who does not know the love of God that um, they may encounter His beautiful love. I just pray for uh, missionaries all over the world that they may realize that this is your work and not theirs. And we just entrust all these intentions to uh, your mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full Hello of grace, grace. the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Paul. We appreciate you being with us so much today. Yeah. Thank you so much. God bless. God, God bless. bless you. Join us again next week in Shelter in Peace. Um, and until then... This is Mari Cleveland. And I'm Josh Harris. And we will talk to you again soon.